This is the Ali La Rouge podcast on the Blood Red channel, bringing you the view from the terraces at Liverpool FC. Welcome to another episode of Ali La Rouge. We have our regulars, John Nicholson and Keith Coburn, and we're delighted that James Pierce from The Athletic is our special guest. So before we get into the news uh, that broke this week surrounding FSG and uh, the sale of the club, uh, we'll have to discuss our, our victories at uh, Spurs and against Derby because at the end of the day, it is about the football, isn't it? I mean, it was a great result against Spurs, but like the other clash in North London, it was a game of two halves, wasn't it, Keith? Yeah, definitely. You know, um, but other than the other clash in North London that we had, I, I was made up with the team's sort of attitude and the way they seen the game out. You know, yeah. said that I said that at the on uh, the match on on Wednesday that um, probably six weeks ago, eight two months ago, we would have probably would have lost that game. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it was great just to see them dig in and see the game out. I know you know we rolled our luck, but so did Tottenham. You know what I mean? In in the whole of the game, I thought we. Probably just about deserved to win the game, you know, over the whole game and probably being a bit biased. But, you know, um, it was just good, as I say, it was just good to see them see the game out and get the three points and, and then obviously move on. Yeah. James, I mean, Salah in the first half, you know, he was he was almost unplayable, wasn't he? I mean, that that first goal, Nunes had great awareness, didn't he? But then the, uh, the second goal, another assist from Alisson. If you count uh, Dyer's mistake, as uh, well, it was Allison's clearance, wasn't it? But I mean, when that yeah. when he looped, when he looped that ball over, I mean, it's just that's that's world class standard football, isn't it? Yeah, I think I think most Salah's probably one of the few footballers at the minute who doesn't want the season to stop for the World Cup because he's he, he's he's back in the groove in the you know a hundred percent. When you think. You know, he had a by his ridiculously high standards. He had quite a slow start to the season, but I think from pretty much from that record-breaking hat trick off the bench at, at Ibrox onwards, he's it's just everything's clicked from, hasn't it? I think I think also it's helped that Liverpool have got him more regularly into more central areas because I think in those opening weeks of the season he was being wasted, marooned out on that that right wing, um, and yeah, two finishes of the absolute highest quality. You know the. Great move for that first goal. You know, the I thought, you know, really pleased for Darwin Nunes as well. That, you know, yeah. again, a significant contribution, unselfish, good awareness to pick him out. And then, yeah, just, you know, how good that first touch was. And then a finish so sweet that Larice didn't even move. And yeah, the second one, again, he, you know, it was, it was like the salary, probably this time last year when he was, he seemed like he was having a goal of the season competition with himself then. And, yeah. um, you know, <laughs> made, making a, making a hard, a very very difficult finish look ridiculously easy and um yeah you know at that point it looked like it was it might be a relatively straightforward afternoon but um yeah the second half was was a tough watch really it was um but as Keith said I think I think the big the biggest positive was the fact that we stood firm and that we showed that kind of resilience because that that hasn't always been there in the opening months of the season yeah right yeah, John. It you know Kanate, you know he was just you know the back four looks a lot more solid, doesn't he? With the likes of Kanate and Matip there, and I mean he he was magnificent, wasn't he? Yeah, it was great. It was great to see him back. I, I think we've missed him. It's just been so unfortunate, really, that he hasn't been available. And then when he was available, um, he gets injured again. Matip's injured, but yeah, he, he was he was absolutely brilliant. You know, you got so much confidence. I think when he's playing, yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, um, I mean, he, yeah. he, he, he deceives sometimes. You, you think when you're watching him, is he going to make that? And and he does. You know, a bit like Van Dyke, really. The way he deceives when you're looking at yeah. him, um, yeah, you yeah. think maybe he's not going to do whatever, but he does it. Yeah, I mean, they. You know, as as we as Keith said, we did ride our luck a little bit. I mean, Perisic sit. It would work twice, didn't he? But you know, you you always felt that you always felt that if they had got you know if they had got back, that Liverpool still had the ability to maybe snatch another one. Keith, I mean, it was, you know, I was fairly confident, even though I had me uh, had my hands a few times when the ball was skimming across. But we had you know we had some good chances ourselves, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. You know, as I say, you know, 
overall, you know, as I say, probably being a bit biased with me, those tinted glasses on, but I thought we just about deserved to win the game. Um, and I think that the that the effort and the desire they showed, you know, you know, was good that they, they won the game because they, you know they put a lot of effort into that. And I think I'm not saying they haven't tried over the last two or three months. Yeah, that's not that's not the case. And and sometimes they they work so hard in games, it's just not come off. And you know we've lost yeah. silly games, haven't we? But and then some games we look like we're not trying, you know, and, and you know you can't say that's not the case. But you know overall, I thought Tottenham with Tottenham, you know, the the open puff. Obviously, Son Son missing was a big, big, big blow for them. Obviously, um, he never seems to get games. going to, to now, the second half. Do he, he? He's a massive, he's a massive miss. As much as the players were yeah. missing, you know, to Diaz and and Jota, he's a massive miss for them. So, you know, him and Kane have got a very good understanding. Obviously, so yeah, I, I just think we deserve to win the game, and you know, we should move on now, and hopefully, I, we can capitalise on I, it. I think we gave them a sort of the impetus, really, because um, they were sort of dead almost yeah. at half time. Yeah. And after about five or ten minutes, maybe five minutes of the second half, I think there was a there was a part where Thiago lost it quite cheaply on the halfway line. Yeah. And yeah. Fabino was caught out as well. And Tottenham sort of got goal side of us. And for the next five minutes or more, we couldn't get out of our half. Yeah. yeah and it yeah. gave it gave Tottenham the impetus and the crowd got up. Because I think if we'd have just imposed ourselves a bit more. We'd have probably made it three nil, and and that is absolutely yeah. Well, they they got booed off at half time, didn't they? Yes, I mean they, they were dead. I I, I mean, think they were dead, but we we sort of let them back into it. Yeah, and then 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 we rode our luck a bit. Yeah, James, you alluded to um, you know Nunes seems to be finding his feet. You know, and the very fact that he he, he didn't shoot and he passed to Salah for the first was significant, I think, because if you look at it, I don't know if you've seen those stats. But since uh, Premier League records began, he's had more shots per minute than anyone since 2003-04, since the Opta um, Index started. Have you seen that stat, James? Yeah, yeah. The um, I mean, he hasn't he hasn't been shy, has he, to have a no. have a pop? And I think you know, there's been a there's been a there's been a fair few occasions when he has had better options around him. And I and I think yeah. I think that probably feeds into just how desperate he is to impress. You know, I think his decision-making has let him down, which I think ties into him being just so desperate to impress and feeling that weight of pressure and expectation on his shoulders at times. But yeah, I, I think I think Klopp alluded to it a few weeks back in terms of having a heart-to-heart with him, sitting down with Pep Linders as well at, at, at Kirby and, and just telling him, you know, just to stay calm and, you know, not to be worried or thinking he's not making enough of a contribution. And and I think since then he, he he you know he that he does seem to be benefiting from that. I thought he was really, you know, he put in a proper shift for the team. I thought on the left of that front three, um, you know, his movement was really intelligent. It was it was interesting watching Klopp and Linders on the side actually, you know, telling him to target that space kind of just to the right hand side of Eric Dyer and in behind the the wing back Emerson Royal and and I, and I thought he he did like a proper good job for the team. On yeah. on on Sunday and um, yeah and, and great for him as well to have you know another assist to yeah. you know to to pick out Salah in the way he did and I think in general there's you know there's a sign of a really good understanding growing between those two and you know obviously yeah. very different very different types of attacker but I think together incredibly effective. Yeah, yeah, John. In terms of, um, I mean, it was Shankly said to Keegan, didn't he, before his his debut against Notts Forest all those years ago? Just go on the pitch and drop anger grenades in the penalty box. And that's what Nunes seems to do, doesn't he? You know, it's it is chaos, isn't it, when he comes when he comes on or when he gets into the box? It, it is, yeah. I think he's going to be great for us, by the way. Yeah. You know, and 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 James is spot on there. He just just needs to think sometimes, you know, uh, about what he's doing. Um, but it it does make a difference. You know, he, he did it when he came on at Anfield um, the week before. Then he was against Napoli with the last yeah ten minutes was it Napoli? Um, you know, and and even like last night, you know, I know it's only Derby County in the League Cup, but as once he got into it because he couldn't get into it at first, it was only fifteen minutes or so. Um, he, he he makes things happen, and and he yeah. just if he just yeah just calms down a bit more like and, and thinks a bit more he'd be brilliant. But he, he was he was really really good at Tottenham. 
Yeah. You know, the, the the shot that he had very early on, he's done that two or three times now. Where yeah, that, he's that taking volume, a shot that, yeah. when you don't expect him to, yeah, but he's yeah. almost scored. A bit yeah. like that Torres goal against Blackburn all them yeah. all them years ago. You know, where he scores from impossible angles. I'm sure it's only a matter of time before it starts happening for him. Yeah. Keith, would you be surprised by this stat? He's started only nine of his seventeen games and his minutes goal ratio is uh, 122, and that's a better average than any Liverpool player with more than 10 appearances in the post-war period. I mean, are you surprised? Of course, yeah. You know, that, that's, that, is a, that is a good stat, isn't it? You know, but stat, you know, stats only tell half the story, don't they? You know, I think uh, everyone's alluded to it about his, his enthusiasm and everything else, and sometimes it does get the better of him, and he's, even against Derby the other night, what do you know, sir, where, yeah. we stand, where we stand the cop there? Well, the sense of that, sent away and I'm up straight away, you know what I mean? And he's yeah, straight away, yeah. So, yeah. he's got to learn to deal with that. And I think the sooner he does that, you know, picking on what James said and, and John is that, I think he'll be a lot more calmer than in his own decision-making. He's just got yeah. to learn to, you know, take it all in, let it go over his head. And I know that's easy said and done. You know, he's obviously, you know, He's, he's from the same country as Luis Suarez, so that's it all, obviously. He wasn't, the, he wasn't the best at letting it go over his head, was he? But I think once he does that, as you know, as John said, and I think we all think, is that he'll be a fantastic uh, asset to our team. There's no two ways about yeah. it. Alele Rouge on the Blood Red Channel. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. James, the uh, the performance against Derby in the week. Um, I mean, obviously everyone was raving about Ben Doak when he came on, but anyone else uh, impressed at all? I mean, yeah, I I I I really like uh, Bobby Clark. I thought um, I thought he did well in midfield, and and Calvin Ramsey. Uh, great to see him. You know, it's been a frustrating start for yeah. for Ramsey since making that switch from Aberdeen and you know obviously that was you know a key part of the club's summer business was to try and ease that burden on Trent Alexander Arnold so we didn't have to you know to be overburdened in terms of game time and um you know a tough tough few months with injuries you know have meant that we've you know we've seen virtually nothing of Calvin Ramsey whatsoever but I thought I thought both attacking wise and defensively um he could be very proud of that in terms of like his his first start and yeah, um, you know, difficult to get away from Ben Doak in terms of young players. Yeah, excite, excite you because yeah, I mean, I've, I've, I've been there for pretty much all the UEFA Youth League games this season, and um, you know, you, you almost like have to stop yourself because you think, you know, don't be stupid. He's only sixteen. Um, you know, <laughs> you know, you don't. Yeah. yeah, you don't want to overburden the young kid and and all the rest of it. But yeah, he is special, you know, and I think. I think the, the 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 thing I love about him is you know when he came on against Derby, you know I he, you know I think his first touch was he ended up you know you could tell how kind of probably how nervous he was and the adrenaline was pumping and he just shanked that one straight into the cop. I think yeah. I think his his second time he got the ball he ran straight into the defender and lost it. And I think some young kids in that situation would have folded a little bit under under the pressure and you know playing in front of fifty four thousand people, but. He didn't. He kept wanting the ball. He kept having a go. And he, to his credit, he showed everyone, you know, anyone yeah. who hasn't been watching the academy games this season, what he's capable of. And yeah, I know Celtic were absolutely devastated to lose him. Um, yeah. And I think I've seen in the last few months why. The reason why, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean, John, in terms of uh, the senior players, I mean, I know it's hard because you're playing with, uh, you know, against Derby and it's, Carabao Cup, but you know Gomez, uh, Carvalho, and Oxlade. You know, I thought I thought we'd see more from them. Did you? I mean, it was an opportunity to shine, wasn't it? But or do you um, think they're just carrying the weight of the? Uh, or we're we're carrying the youngsters here, you know? Yeah, I, I think there's definitely that that aspect to it that they're the senior guys, if you like, um, with a lot of youngsters and and a bit more responsibility in that sense. Mm. 
Um, you know, Oxlade, it's his first game. He, he's hardly been able to, to play at all, has he, since the since the injury with Roma. It's always been stop-start for him. Um, Joe Gomez, I think he was good in part. There's a couple of times when he, he wasn't good last night, but I think that's a bit typical of Joe Gomez yeah. this season. He had a couple it's of passes season. like he did in the... The Premier League, which he hadn't looked at, you know, the one yeah. where Alisson slipped that time, but yeah, it's consistent. You know, in a game, you know, needs to, to improve, I think, because he's yeah, very good he's, sometimes. He, he's been brilliant in some matches, and then he make he makes he's always got a mis- seems to always have a mistake in him, doesn't he? Yeah, within a game, I say he can be very good in a game and, and then make a mistake, but um, I, I know he's not as experienced like um, as the guy I just talked about, but I thought that Phillips done really well. You know, particularly with a lot of the editors that he won, you know, because Derby were a big, experienced side and when the ball's in the air, like the, they're going to dominate our youngsters. And that Phillips done really well yeah, on many yeah. occasions. Yeah. Keith, in terms of, I mean, you know, it was, I thought it was a pretty impressive performance by the youngsters. I mean, I think some of them, you know, didn't seem overawed by it, you know, and uh, even when Nunes and Firmino and uh, the senior players came on, you know, the, you know, they didn't look massive class difference did they, between them. No, no, you know, the good the good thing about it, you know, obviously they come into a game in as James said in front of a massive crowd, which they're not used to, you know, and you can you can forget them for freezing and, and going into the shell a little bit. I think some of them did play a little <coughs> safe for a little for a short while to get, get the the composure and get the foot in the game. But once they got going, you know, they knocked it down lovely in midfield sometimes. And you know, the once they got used to the physicality of the obviously the derby players not they were bouncing off some of them, weren't they? To be honest. Yeah, yeah. But but they never stopped trying, you know. And it was it was sort of reminiscence of Liverpool about three or four years ago when under Klopp when our midfield was chasing and harrying everyone. I know it's a completely different game, I get that. But it's just reminiscent to see the players in the in the red shirt buzzing all over the pitch, and that's what we used to do. And that's where it sort of fell away a little bit this season. That's why we've sort of struggled a little bit. Um so yeah, I thought the Acquitted themselves fantastically. It, it, it's a hard and turn yeah. sometimes in games, aren't they? You know what I mean? Yeah. James, we did the press conference when uh, it was pointed out Kelleher was the most successful Liverpool goalie in history. I was, was yeah. <laughs> and what, did, what was Klopp's uh, <laughs> response? <laughs> wow, wow, I think was his. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he, um, I mean, it's, a, it's an unbelievable stat, isn't it? To think that he's won... Four penalty shootouts, and it was he only played eighteen games in his senior career. Um, yeah, he's an absolute penalty specialist, isn't he? And um, another, another kind of one for his his highlights reel. Um, yeah, he's he's just got a knack, hasn't he? And, and yeah. pleased for him as well, because again, like you know, he as as has been the case with far too many of those players this season. He's had a he's had a tough time of it with yeah. with injuries. You know, he came back injured at the start of pre season having got hurt on international duty in June. And it, it took a lot, lot longer than they initially thought it would do for him to to get back fit again. So, um, yeah, big for him to get that under his belt, I think, before yeah. the season stops due to the World Cup. And, you know, I, I, I don't think there's... I, I'm struggling to think of another a better backup goalie around than Kelleher. No, I think... Super- I think He's super yeah. with his feet as well, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, he, he gives you everything. And um, it obviously, as he's as he's got a bit older, he's got stronger and better able to kind of command his penalty box. And yeah, I mean, the challenge for Liverpool is is trying to convince him to stick around as long as yeah. possible mm-hmm. because, you know, yeah. I think the problem is when he has so many nights like he is having in the domestic cups, other clubs will be looking at that and thinking, well, hang on a minute, you know, maybe we should be making him our number one. And yeah. Um, and you know, and he must look at it and think, well, you know, Allison could quite conceivably be Liverpool number one for the next seven, eight, even nine years. So, um, mm. yeah, I hope he stays around. You know, but um, but yeah, I think realistically, you could we could probably reach a point, whether that's next summer or the summer after, where where he does decide to to go off and and be a num- number one somewhere. And you know, if that is the case, you know, he'll obviously leave with everyone's best wishes because he's he's yeah. he's been absolutely outstanding when he has played. I can see the Twitter fume now. James Pierce advises Kelleher to move on. <laughs> I get blamed for everything else, so I might as well get yeah, blamed yeah. for that. <laughs> yeah. uh, we've got a match against Southampton uh, this afternoon, and 
you know, it's a it's a must win, isn't it, Keith? I mean, we we've, we've got a. We've, I mean, I know they changed manager. You've got a manager called Nathan Jones. What a great name that is! That's the <laughs> supreme song, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, obviously, you know, after the the win last week against the uh, Tottenham. Um, it's like the other week, one of when we be sitting, and the next thing is we're going to lose the next two league games. I'm not, I'm not mistaken. So we can't afford to do that. I know it's the last game before that silly competition kicks in. Um, so we got to win the game. It's as simple as that. You know, Southampton are no mugs. You know, I think I've watched them in the last couple of weeks in the games where they played against Arsenal and Newcastle, and they played well in, in last portions of the game in both of them, and just come yeah. unstuck. Well, they, they drew against Arsenal and, and obviously got beat by Newcastle. So they're, not, they're a good side, you know. They yeah. they got nothing to lose at Anfield. That they, they, you know, they're expected to get beat. So they'll come and have a go. I'm sure they'll come and have a go. So we got to yeah. win. Well, let's hope, John. It's not like first, you know, manager's first game syndrome. You know, the everyone's playing for the um, you know, for the place. Like I mean, that's I the we we keep we keep getting that sort of thing, don't we? Uh, they're like Brighton, you know, the other week, and um, the players raised the game, but. You know, before before the Forest game, we said we were saying we've with the results we've had, we've put ourselves in a position where there's no margin for error. No. But since then, we've lost two, you yeah, know, to Forest yeah, yeah. and Leeds, and which both games we should have worn quite comfortably, shouldn't we? Probably, yeah. yeah. Um, but so here we are again this Saturday, and there's no margin for error. We've got to win, yeah. and if we yeah. do win, it's great because. We're just a little bit closer. We're reminding people we're still around. Yeah. Um, it is still possible, as far as I'm concerned, to um, get at least top four, you know. Yeah. Uh, but we can't afford to to drop many more points when we shouldn't be dropping them. Yeah. James, I mean, those two games against uh, uh, Leeds and Forest, I mean, it was is that when the lack of depth in the squad was exposed, you think, for everyone to see? Yeah, I, I I think so. I think um, certainly Forrest, I mean, that was, it was a body blow, wasn't it? Learning that Thiago was going to miss that game at short notice due to an ear infection and Nunes had the, the tight hamstring. And, you know, I think, I think realistically when anyone saw that team sheet and you knew that a, a very out of form Fabino and Curtis Jones playing in a, you know, a, a position he's not used to as part of a two in centre midfield was probably not ideal and but you're right even on the day then I mean even just from set pieces alone created more than enough to actually win the game wasted well, chances well, and then I could have got a hat-trick couldn't he yeah 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 I mean and then even the, the you know the Leeds one as well I mean you look at I think that's the annoying thing as well Liverpool have had a lot of you know you can bemoan the injuries and you know the bad luck and the rest of it but Leeds was for me was a case of just shooting yourself in the foot I mean when you think what was it three minutes into the game Gomez's wayward back pass. You know, you got the Allison slip and a gift for Rodrigo, and and then even the winning goal for Somerville that that day. I mean, you think, I think it was Milner and Curtis Jones, wasn't it? Who were wide out on the flank, and you think, you know, between them they shouldn't, they, they, you can't be letting that ball go into the box. And then even even when the ball lands in the box, you got you got Van Dyke, you got Thiago, you got Gomez close by. It just should have been dealt with, and. Um, yeah, you just, you know, you just, you know, the only positive is it's so early in the season still that there's some serious damage there to be repaired, but there is time to repair it in terms of the top four. But as the boys said, that, that means there is no yeah. margin for error and you have to beat Southampton. And um, yeah, I mean, you'd like to think that sometimes you do get a new manager bounce, don't you? But, you know, I, I, I know, reg you know, regardless of what Nathan Jones is able to say to those players and then over the last few days, you know, it, he should be coming up against a resurgent Liverpool. Yeah. And also, I think the big thing is, it was a gamble by Klopp changing the entire team. I thought he would play a slightly stronger team against Derby. Yeah. Um, he just about got away with it. Um, but, you know, the, the upside of that is everyone is rested and, and should be ready to go, you know, because it will be 11 changes again for Saturday. No one who started against Derby will start against Southampton. So... There can be no excuses, you know. We know we can't bemoan tiredness or the scheduling or anything like yeah. that. You know, they've they've all had a full week to prepare for this one. What's the feeling in the camp, James? Though is it it case of like let's go, we go again after the World Cup? Is that the feeling? Do you think? Yeah, yeah, it really is. Yeah, I think you speak to the staff and they they've been talking for a while about the World Cup acting as a bit of a reset 
to, you know, Klopp, I think, is looking forward to that time in Dubai. And I think they fly off to Dubai at the start of December, uh, training camp over there, play a couple of friendlies against Milan. Dubai, Dubai, you say? Dubai? Is, is there any reason for that? Uh, no, no, no. This was this was sorted out long before that. Um, no, I think I think the only I mean the main reasons I think are the fact that obviously the weather's decent in terms of a warm weather training camp. The facilities are are a top class, and and I think you know logistically the plan is that as Liverpool players get knocked out of the World Cup, they'll it's only a what probably an hour flight down the road to Qatar to join from from Qatar to Dubai to join up with the squad. So. Yeah. Um, that's where they base themselves. So yeah, yeah, it's like a, it's such a unique season, isn't it? It's um, it, you know, you get a second preseason before the second half of the season, and then you know Diaz will be fit. You know he'll he'll be ready for that camp in Dubai. You know Jota won't be ready. You know I think Jota's rehab will go on, it you know well into January, unfortunately. But you know Matip will be fit. You know Cater should be fit. You know hopefully yeah. Klopp can can get something out of him. And so I think yeah, there's. There is a belief that for all the the problems of the first half of the season, that the second half will be better. Alele Rouge on the Blood Red Channel. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Keith, is that your feelings as well? That, you know, put it behind us the first half and... Let's get them all fit for the second half of the season, and we. Yeah, of course, it's no good. It's no good looking back and feeling sorry for ourselves. We've just got to, you know, use this break to our own benefits and, and have a positive outcome from it. So, you know, I think James has basically said everything. What everyone thinks, you know, we can get players who are unfit fit. You know, we used to say that. You know, with, obviously with the news what's happened in the last week, even before then we might add some additions to the squad. You know what I mean? You might get someone coming in January. I don't know. Um, yeah, I think so, as well. Um, we 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 went at the start of the season, but in a way, we're looking forward to this break now because yeah. we want to come back with some impetus and some yeah. some some confidence and have a yeah. go. Yeah, and definitely. conversely, for example, Arsenal, they they don't want this break now. No, you know what no. I mean. No, it no. might go all pear shaped for them. I'm not saying it will, yeah. but it, but it might go all pear shaped for do, them yeah. during this break. So so for us, we I think that we've got to use it as a positive. And, and and look forward to coming back and, and use the time that he's got yeah. to get players fit again, get the squad working together again, a bit more harmony. There's not a massive amount of them going to the World Cup, is there? No, no. Maybe about so, seven players, maybe? So talking about bombshells, James, there was a bombshell on Monday morning at this week when uh, the announcement was that um, FSG had been employing uh, a couple of banking firms in America to look at maybe getting investments or even to sell the club, depending on who you listen to. But it was significant, wasn't it, that the Boston Globe that John Henry actually owns was uh, moving up more towards uh, the, a sale is, is, is a possibility. I mean, did you did you know about this news story coming and how come Ornstein got it and you didn't? <laughs> Scooped again, not for the first time. Um, no, I, I, yeah, I was, it, it was over the weekend actually that first got wind that, uh, that something was happening. And then, um, yeah, I think like, like quite often with these things, you, you then contact your, your, your kind of relevant people and try and get information backed up and second sourced and all the rest of it. And, um, yeah, when people don't reply, it sometimes tells its own story when, cause I think previously, um, you know, when when we you know it's we've we've you know it's, it's been numerous times hasn't there during their ownership reign when there's been talk of of offers and potential takeovers and and each time previously they've been adamant that no you know that is not true the club's not for sale and um yeah fantastic exclusive from my colleague david ornstein that um and i and i think you know the the statement that fsg gave to the athletic that went with the story that liverpool are for sale i think 
I think some people, so hang on a minute, they don't specifically say the club's for sale. They just say they're looking for new investors. But I think, you know, quite often it's what isn't in the statement rather than what is in the statement, which which tells you an awful lot. And um, unlike in 2018, when there was a similar situation, the back then the, the FSG statement was just to be clear, this club is not for sale. We yeah. would only consider a minority um, sale of, you know, whether it's 10, 15 percent of the club. This time around, that's that's not the case. You know, all, all options are on the table. Um, you know, I, I, since since Monday when the news broke, you know, I'd spoken to numerous people here and in the states, and I think it's certainly nothing is imminent. You know, this this could be a long process. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think it's the, the, you know the the fact that they've put together this kind of sales brochure that for interested parties shows you know how serious it is, but. Um, I think it's very much a kind of you know, a bit a bit of a fishing expedition, I suppose, if you like, to establish you know what what exactly could they get, and yeah. then and then you weigh it all up, um, you know. And, and I still think you know some people think it will lead to just a part sale of the club. Others think that it will lead to a full sale. But you know, obviously, the answer to that will lie in just just how you know how big the offers are that they that they consider that. Um, and it's yeah, still early days in terms of that process. Was, was it a leak? Was it uh, James? I mean, at the club or the owner? No, happy? no, no, it was no. It was, no, it certainly wasn't a leak from in. No, no. It's. I mean, no. I was told that. Um, you know, the FSG did not want that news getting out. You know, they. Um, no, they. They certainly. They certainly didn't want it getting out. Well, you know, I think. I think they probably knew that inevitably when. When you've you know when more more and more people are in the loop and when there's a sales brochure that interested parties can 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 get hold of and even though you know to get hold of one of those you have to sign a non-disclosure agreement you know of course as more and more people get wind of that it's bound to it's bound to leak out from you know from all those different financial you know people that are involved but but no it wasn't it certainly wasn't the case that FSG wanted this out there to to kind of promote the fact that they were looking for offers no i think um from what i was told they were they were disappointed that it did that it did get out as soon yeah. as it it did i mean klopp and pep before, said before the brochures being printed <laughs> <laughs> well, i think i think they did get the brochures done in time but yeah the um i mean klopp and pep Linders said that they they'd been told i guess by mike gordon because he's the one that they speak to day to day that um that that, that that they were like open to the idea of new investment um, I think Pep Linder said about ten days before the news broke, but obviously, you know, at that point they would have expected it to have stayed confidential. I think yeah. for a lot longer. Um, oh. So, so yeah, big story. I think you know some people will say, "Well, hang on a minute," you know, they've been open to selling a chunk of the club for a long time. But yeah, that, I think the biggest difference this time around is that they are open to the idea of of selling the lot if 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 the right offer is forthcoming. And um, yeah, there's been lots. Lots of speculation, James. You think the Super League was was where they thought we just can't compete anymore. We're we're getting out, or do you think? That is, I think. That is yeah, I mean, I think I think there's lots of options. I think there's lots of factors, really. I don't think there's one particular factor. I mean, I mean, you, yeah, you have to. You can't get away from the fact that John W. Henry was he was integral to that. You know, the project big picture that 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 kind of you know didn't get off the ground. What was that a, a year ago when he you know he wanted. The, the top Premier League clubs to have a much bigger say in the decision-making process. You know, he was a big part of the launch of the, the doomed Super League because he he wanted greater guarantees over revenues. You know, he didn't want yeah. the the kind of the factor of not knowing year to year whether you're going to have Champions League riches. Um, you know, I think also there's been a degree of disillusionment over the failure to properly enforce financial fair play rules because. I remember speaking to Tom Werner not long after they bought the Liverpool in 2010, and that was a big part of the attraction for them. The fact that, well, hang on a minute, you know, so so that these football authorities are going to really like make sure that you only can really spend what you generate, and yeah. and obviously that, you know, that they they weren't worth the paper they were written on, weren't they? When you see, you know, Man City getting their, yeah. their Champions League ban overturned and all the rest of it, so. So um, yeah, lots of lots of different factors, and and also I think you've also got to say, well, we all knew that they were in it. This was a fantastic business opportunity for FSG, and I think by and large they've been decent owners. 
Um, but it was always going to be a question of when rather than if they would sell the club. You know, it was never going to be a, a situation where it was passed down generations because, you know, they've turned a £300 million investment into something mm. worth between three and four billion. And yeah. um, at some point, you're going to cash in your chips, aren't you? And I think at the mo- moment, they've thought, well, you know, why don't we have a look out there? And I think probably the Chelsea sale, you know, speaking to people, I think that was a factor as well. I think they've seen Chelsea go for you know 2.5 billion if you kind of discount the the kind of the other money that's guaranteed that is committed in terms of infrastructure at Chelsea and and I think well hang on a minute if that's worth 2.5 billion and Liverpool's a much bigger club than Chelsea vast yeah. you know vast global fan base and you know you look at the infrastructure of the club the new training ground the stadium everything is set up um you know it's it's not a situation where someone's going to have to come in and spend an absolute fortune on other things apart from real, really like squad strengthening in the next few years. So, so yeah, I'm not, I'm not massively surprised that they've decided now is a good time to, to have a look what's out there. But you think fundamentally, you think it's a test of water exercise rather than, yeah, we're going to sell it. Yeah. 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 A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I think, I think they genuinely don't know what, what's going to come back in the other direction. I think that's why, you know, I saw some people saying last night, well, Klopp, Klopp said it's just new investors. It's not a sale of the club. And you're like, well, you know, like, like similar to the FSG statement, you're not going to get FSG saying, yes, we are selling the club because why yeah. would you, why would you say that when you don't know what, you know, if you don't get a good enough offer, then suddenly you'd have to backtrack and say, yeah, sorry about that. We're <clears> not selling the club. So, um, so yeah, I, I think, I, I think it's difficult to predict what will happen next. I've spoken to some football finance experts who think, you know that they think it might end up, you know, being like a 15 percent sale. Um, that just you know, they, you know, you're talking about if they sold ten percent, they'd probably get three hundred million, which which would almost you know, give them back their initial investment, and they'd still mm. own ninety percent of the club. That's yeah, that's what that's what a shrewd a shrewd buy it's been for them. Um, the wait, the waiting for an offer they can't refuse, basically. Yeah, 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 definitely, definitely. And I think you know it's a case of putting it in the shop window. Seeing seeing what comes back and then assessing things, but um, but yeah, I think what's what's significant is the fact that for the first time in twelve years, they are actually open to the idea of of selling it on. Which you know, up to now, yeah, it's it's only ever been a minority stake. They said they'd consider. Alele Rouge on the Blood Red Channel. I know you've got to go soon, James, but, you know, in terms of uh, you've probably seen the Twitter storm from Liverpool fans from all around the world, you know, saying we don't care about human rights, uh, we'll sell to anyone. You know what I mean? Is that, do you think FSG take that into account or do you think they're just looking at, um, at the dollar? Well, I mean, you can only take people at face value and the people I've spoken to this week are adamant that they that FSG will take that into account and that they do care about legacy and they do care about how they're regarded after they've gone if if this does prove to be the start of of the kind of the end process um and that they will they will do what's in the best interest of the club and I think you know I, I certainly hope they're true to their word on that um and yeah I like like you Peter I've seen some really grim stuff on social media about, you know, I don't care who buys Liverpool as long as they, they throw in obscene amounts of money yeah. and, you know, forget morals, forget anything else, forget ethics. And you know, the the reality is that, you know, I don't know any Liverpool fans that I've spoken to this week who feel like that. You know, yeah. every, every Liverpool fan I've spoken to this week is like, okay, well, do you know what, you know, you know, cautious in terms of, you know, exactly what, you know, I I want to see SOS and the supporters group, you know, playing a big part in what does happen next because I think that's that's vital and, um, you know, and 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 I think also I don't think whoever buys Liverpool surely they're not like, you know, I I think you have to, you know, one of the attractions of Liverpool is and the reason it's so valuable is because of the vast fan base and because of Anfield and everything yeah. that makes Anfield so special, and part of yeah. that is that it is different. And it is, and it's the culture of the club, isn't it? Yeah, and exactly. So, so do you know what? Like, 
you know, you, I don't know for argument's sake. If 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 you, you know, you, there's no way that any Liverpool fan I know would tolerate what's happened at Newcastle. Like nobody, nobody would wanna would wanna see a situation like that. Nobody, nobody that I know is so desperate for for more success that they just swallow whatever comes the way. And I think there would be a backlash to that. And 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 you know, the it wouldn't you know, it it wouldn't probably be worth what that person had paid for it because they'd be suddenly facing a whole heap of trouble because yeah. of um so and so I think FSG will definitely take that into account. I, you know, I, that's that's what I've been told this week. I hope they stick yeah. to their word on that yeah. because um yeah, and I, I, I still think you know the most likely outcome if if a complete sale does go through, I think it'll be another consortium and it might even be another and it might Edge even be forming. another yeah, another you know the, you know, the you only have to look at what's happened elsewhere, not only in England but elsewhere in Europe. You know, the the American interest in in football is is just growing and growing and growing yeah. because they yeah. still see immense value there that they don't they they you know they they still think it's you know, there's there's huge potential that there probably isn't in you know if you're investing in one of the you know the US franchises in one of their major sports over there. Yeah. Okay, James. Thanks. Thanks very much for that um, brilliant insights into what's been going on. And uh, I think you've got to you got to leave now, haven't you? <laughs> I do. Yeah, I've got to go and pick my lad up from rugby. But uh, yeah, good to speak R- to you. Rugby? Guys. What's going on? Rugby? Oh, don't don't get me started on that. <laughs> don't get me started on that. Yeah, yeah I think I... he just I think he just does it to spite me. <laughs> thanks very much, James. Be worse. Um... Could be coming Evertonian. Don't be doing that. <laughs> That's why I tell myself, Keith. <laughs> Take care. Cheers, lads. Thanks very much, James. So, Keith, in terms of, I mean, that was fascinating stuff, wasn't it? But uh, from James there, you know, in terms of, but obviously, uh, you know, that's capitalism, isn't it? Anything's yeah, up yeah. for sale, isn't it? Anything's up for sale. They probably see in the what Chelsea went for and thought, let's let's see what we're worth, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, well, you know, James, it's like putting your house on. On, on the market, market, isn't it? Just to see what's going on. Yeah. I, I'm not obviously disagreeing anything what James says, but I, I, in my de- sort of past, when I've had dealings with a club, when I was on the SOS committee, you're always told by certain club officials that the club was up for sale at any given time, depending on the offer. Yeah, but the club's course. always been for sale. Yeah, because of what you just said. These people are just capitalists. They're not. They're not football fans. They're a consortium no. of people, and as much as. I'd like to think, and I, I would hope they would to, to take the fans' considerations, in, sorry, fans' feelings into consideration when you do sell it. The, the answer to the, to the to the investors and the shareholders, you don't answer yeah, to the poor fans. Yeah, so, of course, yeah. And at, at any given time, if they get offered a silly amount of money by some some tyrants from the other side of the world, yeah. they, I would suggest the duty bound by the, the laws of whatever shareholders they have or whatever, that they accept the offer. I don't yeah. know. I might be wrong on that. I know they're not on the stock market. I understand that. But at some stage, they've got to answer to the people who, who basically run that, that consortium of people. Now, yeah. FSG, if I'm not mistaken, are 14 different entities becoming FSG. I might be wrong on that. I know they are different entities that make up the, the actual group. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And obviously, there's, there's people there, and everyone's been saying it, about the fact that, they, and, you know, it was 270, I thought, not 300 million. But anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh, to turn that round into that the actual astronomical profit they would make, you know, they will take the best offer. And I don't care what anyone says. They, they, these owners have, have not played piecemeal. Every time they've done something wrong, they've they backed that and apologised and everything else. But once they sell this club, they've got to apologise to no one, mate. And eventually, they will sell it for their own <clears> interest <throat> and not the, the, I feel, not the, the interest of Liverpool Football Club. I hope I'm wrong and I'm, I'm, hopefully I will be. You know, mm-hmm. They've already sold a small minority, haven't they? Uh, already to a, to um Redbeard, yeah. Red which yeah. so I, I feel that if they, they're looking for investment, all that does is fracture the actual club into more pieces to sell. I, I don't think they'll do that. I think they'll either sell the club or stay <clears> as it is. But because if you're trying to sell the club and two or three different people own it, and you can't, so the, the, the potential owners of the new of the club will have to deal with them people, and it doesn't yeah. make any sense to do that. Um, <clears throat> And go picking up what you're saying about they can't compete. FSG could compete quite comfortably with Man City if they chose to spend the money that they've made out of Liverpool and the money that they got that backed them up. That's their business model. They don't do it. But don't tell me they haven't got the money or they've never had the money. They've had the money. 
You choose not to spend it. No, I'm not saying we got to, you know, a bottomless pit. But Liverpool, over the years, since they've obviously been involved with us, have made a lot of money for them. And, yeah. you know, where's, where is that money that got invested? What was it, 300 million? I don't know what it was. 300 million, whatever it was, the other year. Just a small minority. Where's yeah, that money gone? I don't know where that's gone. It's gone towards the development of the ground. As you pay for the academy, it may well have done. But mm. FSG, or this custodians, the owners of the club, they should be funding that themselves. They own the club. But they mm. use other people's money. That's what I can see. John, all this week on you know social media, it's been pretty depressing watching it, isn't it? And you know, Basically, it reminded me of that Clash lyric. Uh, if Adolf Hitler flew in today, they'd send a limousine anyway. Yeah, um, it has. I mean, a lot of them have got short memories. That's if they were around um, at that time. But when X and Gillette came, everyone thought they were a dream ticket. Yeah, yeah. And if they would, if they had stayed at Liverpool Football Club, they would have asset stripped it, and yeah. we'd have ended up being the Rangers of the, the English league. Yeah, definitely. We'd have been Definitely. right down to the bottom. Absolutely, we would have. They would when have people were saying it, when people were saying that years ago, uh, and like obviously the club were denying it. But since then, since then we've been told, yeah, it was a few hours away from RBS pulling the plug, and that's what yeah. would have happened. And you know, and, and and people just think, let's go and you know do what Man City and let's buy a fifty million pound fullback, and if he's no good, we'll buy another one. Well, I think James is right. Most match-going fans, Liverpool fans, don't want that. We we don't want what Newcastle's got. We just want proper owners and yeah. you know and and run the club as 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 it should be run. I don't want to see us like Man City or Newcastle. If that means we don't compete with them, I'm afraid. I mean, I think that's part of John Henry's problem. He did believe when he bought the club yeah, that there was a like, structure there with yeah, FFP. Yeah. yeah. That would allow him to run this football club and be able to compete fairly. And it hasn't happened. And it's never going to happen because of what Manchester City can do with, yeah. as they proved, when UEFA tried to nail them. Yeah. Um, but by... City, it's City, it's down to, obviously it's down to the money, but without Guardiola, you know, we would have been winning four or five you know, Premier Leagues in the last few years. You know, it's it's about the elite managers as well, isn't it? And attracting those elite managers. I mean, well, obviously, well, you see what happened with Newcastle now, and the do. But you know, you can't see Newcastle winning the Premier. League. I maybe in five, ten years' time, maybe with an elite manager, but not with the current setup. Yeah, because because Man City done that. They used to swap managers every two yeah. minutes, didn't they? When they hadn't, yeah, they yeah. hadn't got what they wanted, yeah. you know. But the but the but the difference is, they can afford to do that. If they have to pay off a manager, then yeah. try another one and pay him off, you know. But other clubs can't, can't. Yeah. you know, and yeah. that's why they can buy who they want to buy. It doesn't matter if the fella ends up like Cater to us. That's a big loss. The yeah. money we spent on him and what we've had out of him. Yeah. Do you, you see know, this, Keith? Do you see this as like an exciting period? We might have new owners, or do you think, oh no, be careful what you wish for? Well, it's it's probably a bit of both, isn't it? You know, uh, listen. FSG have, have been good for the club. You can't say they haven't, but they could have been better. Good job, you're not on Twitter, Keith. I know, yeah, I know, yeah. But they could have been better. I'm not being, I'm not being funny. They could have been better, but you know, their business model shoes to run, to run the business the way they do, and that's the way they do it. You know, you can you can go on about figures all day long about how they built the main stand with different money and everything else and money coming in and pay for it. Anyway, you could you have to have a different podcast just to, to talk about that. But yeah. The, the actual new owners, I, I do believe that at some stage they will sell the club. I don't, as I said before, I don't think, I don't think the go for the investment side of it could be wrong. The new yeah. owners, um, you know, ideally in an ideal world, you know, we're all right. We all go to match, and none of us want what what certain clubs have got. But yeah. we're not. It, we don't live in that world anymore, do we? No. Let's be honest about it. Our owners, the owners now, have done the best through one one thing or another to change our fan base that go to the ground. They want a different. They want a different people at that ground. You know, they've tried it with with the trademark and with everything else that they've done. You can't forget things like that. You don't want so, to like you. It, well, maybe so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, let's be honest about it, Peter. That that's that's the way they've gone about it, and everyone knows that. Mm. 
they want to they want to change the, the the dynamics of the actual fan base that go to football grounds because they want to be able to control them a lot more than what they do at the moment. So maybe they've got fed up trying and got want to move on and someone else yeah. try it because football is a different game from twenty five even 20, 10 years ago, wasn't it? Money wise, yeah, yeah, it's just gone off yeah. the window now. It's gone ridiculous. Yeah, it's just gone crazy. You know? So the new owners coming in. Maybe, I don't think. Co- I don't think. I mean, I don't think countries should be allowed to own football clubs. No, I mean, no, of course they shouldn't. They shouldn't. But you know, you go back to like I said this to Adam where today. You go back to when we were winning everything in the sixties and seventies and the eighties. We we spent big money, didn't we? Yeah, we had Because we got we generated our own money. We paid so, the top wages. Yeah. yeah, we paid it. We we broke the transfer record every year. Us, you know what I mean. So so did Nottingham <laughs> Forest, so did Man City, those did Man United and all that. The so called big clubs because of the money generated. So. I'm not saying we can't complain because of what City are doing, but we've done it complete, in a completely different way. Yeah, we, yeah. We went only generated, yeah. Yeah, we generated our own money. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so, and Liverpool, you know, I've said this before, once the debt was wiped off them by FSG, we were always going to generate our own money and be self-sufficient, especially if we started winning things, which we did. So, mm-hmm. in retrospect, we we become the club that we were anyway in some respects. Mm-hmm. Um, John, John, are you optimistic? In terms of what's what's the future holds, we're a, a bit more worried really because of the Hicks and Gillette scenario. Yeah, you know, yeah. and what they might have done to us. Um, so I think we've got to be careful what we wish for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, um, you've been listening to Ali Larouche. We'll be back in a, a couple of weeks' time. Uh, when presumably we'll be talking about the World Cup. I don't know if it, I mean, the very fact that it's in Qatar is an absolute disgrace, isn't it? But, you know, um, I think Simon Hughes from The Athletic's going to do an article on that. And hopefully we'll get him on in a couple of weeks because he's been to Nepal uh, talking to some, some of the workers who uh, worked on Qatar. But, yeah, I suppose we'll, we'll end up watching the matches, won't we? But it's, you know, it's not... It's, I'm not really looking forward to it that much. It's middle of November, December. You, you shouldn't, you shouldn't have World Cups, then, should you? I mean, no. You know, it's well. You know, again, like, um, you could have a different podcast. Sorry, a whole podcast on that, couldn't you? About yeah. corruption. I believe there's a. Um, you were talking about it on the way home last night. There's a there's a documentary on Netflix about the corruption on Twitter, yeah. which yeah. is probably yeah. very well, good. Even, so, even Chef Blatter said he said this week, didn't he? <laughs> it should never have been again. So, you know, it, the, the worst thing about all this is that everyone knows there's corruption at the highest level, but it yeah. still goes on. It's a joke. No yeah, one, yeah, you know, yeah. talking about financial fair play and we're talking about City and all yeah. that. Everyone, every man and his dog knows it's happening and they do nothing about it. Yeah. It's ridiculous. There's no corruption yeah. at Ali LaRouge. It's, <laughs> uh... <laughs> only only if you buy me a pint, I'll tell you. Yeah. Okay. Uh, enjoy the match this afternoon. Hopefully we get the three points and we'll be back. Um, in December Ali Le Rouge You've been listening to the Ali Le Rouge podcast on the Blood Red channel